What a beautiful morning. Beautiful morning. Look at somebody and say, you look better since you've been here. I'll tell you that, right? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Uh, learning the fear of the Lord. Everybody say that. Learning the fear of the Lord. Why do we want to spend time on learning the fear of the Lord? The first slide, I just want to put some stuff up here and kind of say it. Those who fear the Lord desire to live in harmony with God and His Word and His righteousness and simply desire to honor Him in every way. It is not in our fallen nature to honor God, but to pursue our selfish desires. Yet, a redeemed person who has come to know Jesus, can learn the fear of the Lord and receive the profound benefits. Also, the wrong definition of the fear of the Lord will defeat the heart and put an inappropriate dread in our hearts toward God. He is not wanting to strike down anyone struggling with failure. He carried the failure to the cross. Yet, there are doors you and I may have opened that if we had appropriately feared the Lord, we would not have opened and not spent so much time in misery. The fear of the Lord is all about relieving you from misery by helping you turn from evil and then blessing your life beyond measure. But said, praise the Lord. Understand that embracing the fear of the Lord does not make you a judgmental person or critical of others. While we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin because we have not believed in Jesus and that he has died for our sins and our place to forgive us and to bring us into the loving arms of Father God. So I have a prayer. Would you consider this pray this together, okay? Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, teach me the fear of the Lord. I desire to live in harmony with you, your word, your righteousness, and to honor you in everything I do. I want my heart filled with the holy awe of who you are. You are supremely loving and patient And you are the holy God to whom we must give account for every thought, word, and deed. Work within us, O Lord, for your glory. Amen. The influence of God's word, as you're well aware of, is gradually being banned from our culture. And the definitions of sin are being erased. I'm going to set something here for you just as an opening. Uh, the book of Jude is written for the last days in which we're living and instructs us in the reason we're to contend for the faith. So Jude, uh, the verse 3, says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. So now he's explaining, look, and look at that faith. That faith is this. Jesus Christ came in the flesh. 
God became man and dwelt among us. He displayed the heart of Father God. This is the gospel. Then he took upon himself all of our sorrows and griefs and failures and sins. And he carried them all to the cross. And he died in our place. And his blood that was shed is a ransom payment for your soul for eternity. And then he rose from the dead and broke the power of death to rule over the human soul. That is why a believer in Christ can lay their head down when it's their time to go to heaven and close their eyes and wake up in the bliss of a love they've always longed for. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's destroyed the power of death and you have nothing to fear. And no one but Jesus can give that to you. But these are the last days and we contend for the faith because it calls us out of sin and into a righteous relationship. It calls us from sinful thoughts, words, and deeds into a place where God cleanses us and draws us in. But we have a contrary environment. For the next verse says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation. Ungodly people. Look at this next line. Who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. Camp on that just for a moment. Who pervert the grace of God into sensuality. I want to tell you that Jesus Christ, Father God, the Holy Spirit, is absolutely love. And that's where these people stop. God Almighty is holy and righteous and the judge of the universe and every soul will give an account to him. And because he's already taken our sins, the judgment isn't about having taken sin. It's about will you believe in the free gift that God has given. There was an argument one time, this atheist said, but if God was real, why doesn't he just come down and show us? <laughs> he did. He did come down and show us. He came down in the person of Jesus Christ. And then it says, and deny our only master and Lord, Jesus Christ. So there's these... Uh, Jude informs us of five specific things about these persons. They were, vis they were in the visible church. Their judgment was predicted long time ago. They're ungodly. They treat grace as an opportunity uh, or to license to sin. And they deny the Lord God, including the person of the Lord Jesus. Would you just say this with me? These people have no fear of the Lord. Okay, I think this is why we're camping on this. It's very important. When you don't have the fear of the Lord, if it feels good, just do it and say God's all right with it. I will never join preaching the sin of the month club. I will always preach the grace of God. Let the light shine. 
understanding and growing in the fear of the Lord will give you the wisdom in how God sees things and turn your heart from evil. Uh, just put up the little slide, Job 28. Just hold it there. This is the coolest thing. It's almost like um, Old Testament hide-and-seek. This is a, a sweet and beautiful uh, understanding. So starting in about uh, verse 12. So this is how it goes. It goes, there's this, where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth. It is not found in the land of the living. The deep says, it's not in me. The sea says, it's not with me. It cannot be bought with gold. Silver cannot be weighed as its price. A few verses later, from where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living, concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say, well, we hear rumor uh, about it with our ears. God understands the way to it, and he knows its place. He looks to the ends of the earth. He sees everything under the heavens. When he gave to the wind its weight and appointed to the waters by measure, then he made a decree for the rain and a way for the lightning of the thunder, and he saw it and declared and established it and searched it out. And then he declares this. And he said to the man, Behold the fear of the Lord. That is wisdom. You want to find wisdom? It's the fear of the Lord is the place of wisdom. And then it says, and to turn away from evil is understanding. How many of you know there's a way that seems right to a man leads to death? You ever heard that before? That's in Proverbs at least twice. It feels like, it feels, I, just, I feel this way. How many of you have had sins that have appealed to you? I have had sins that appeal to me. But by the fear of the Lord, you turn away from evil. 1 Corinthians 1.30. When I talk about wisdom, I just always drawn to Jesus. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, God has united you with, Jesus, with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Just everybody say, Jesus is wisdom itself. Now, I picked this version because it says, righteous, the other one's uh, righteousness, sanctification, and uh, redemption. But this one makes it easy. It says, for Christ has made us right with God. That's wisdom. This is wisdom. God has made you right with God. He has made us pure and holy. He's not coming after a bride with a sullied dress. Who's just been fornicating with the world. He's coming after a bride without spot or wrinkle. Who loves him more than anything else. And he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scripture says, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. You and I bring nothing. The older I get, the more I realize I bring nothing. I bring nothing. It's a big zero with the rim rubbed out. Nothing. 
Now, one of the most dramatic examples of the fear of the Lord is in Genesis 28. It's also the law first mentioned regarding the fear of the Lord. So let's just put up the blank screen for a while, and then I'll just uh, get to this. How many of you realize after 25 years, the promised child was born to Abraham? 25 years of believing God's promise. And then Isaac was born. Now, in the book of Genesis, there are many firsts that establish how God, the genesis of an idea begins to establish that idea throughout the rest of the scriptures and how we live life. So I have this out of the New Living Translation, so I'm going to kind of skip through this. So it says, Sometimes, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham? Yes, here I am. I had trouble reading this without crying. I hope I can handle it. Gosh. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Let me just say this first. The one and only son language points to Jesus. The next morning, not two months later, not a year later, not coming back, say, are you sure, God? I was reading in uh, Joyce Myers, excuse me, Joyce, uh, Joy Dawson's book, Joy Dawson's book, uh, Intimate Friendship with God. And it's about the fear of the Lord. And in the book, she says, how many of you have heard testimonies where someone says, the Lord asked me to do such and such, and I said, oh, no, I can't do that. And then he comes back later and asks again. And says, oh, are you sure? And then comes back later and asks again. And she just very forthrightly said, that person does not have the fear of the Lord. When you're always considering if you want to obey or not, the fear of the Lord does not exist. Let this settle in. Because it's not optional. When you have the fear of the Lord, obedience is not an option. It's not something that you go, I don't know if I want to do that or not. The fear of the Lord dictates you do it. And what we see in the scripture here says the next morning. Everybody say the next morning. This is amazing. Now Abraham had believed for 25 years. And then he got this son and he poured all of his life. It's almost like God disappeared. He got the son now. It's something because God can make you a promise. And you get so excited about the promise. You can forget that God exists. Is there anybody on the planet or in the room that's like that at all? Yes, we can all fall prey to that. Hello? 
I don't think it's really that, but that factors in. So he saddled the donkey, took two servants with him, along with his son Isaac, and they chopped wood for fire and burnt offering and set out for the place God told him about. And on the third day of the journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, and he said, uh, stay here with the donkey. Abraham told the servants, now listen to this. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there. And then we will come right back. I think the fear of the Lord understands the heart of God. I think he was thinking, if it took me 25 years to get him, he'll raise him from the dead. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he himself carried the fire and the knife. And the two of them walked together and Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, you have the fire and the wood, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered and they walked on. When they arrived to the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built the altar, arranged the wood, and then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Let me go ahead and say, Jesus was tied up. And he was taken to a whipping post. And he was whipped. And the flesh came out of his back, and his he poured blood profusely. And he wasn't done yet. And then they put the cross on his back, and he tried to walk with it, and he couldn't carry it because he was losing his strength. Somebody else carried it. Then they took him to the place of the crucifixion. And they nailed him to the cross. And his blood pouring out of his body. I don't know what Abraham knew. But he tied him and he laid him to the top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son. And at that moment... The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, yes, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. The angel said, do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you, everybody say it, truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. This is the first real definition of the fear of the Lord in the Bible. That the thing that's closest to your heart
Isn't that something? May the light of his word shine into our hearts. Now, if you're new in the Lord, I just want you to know, as we said earlier, this is not based on the reality of God being bad. There's no reality about that. This is based on the reality that God is good. You see, only a loving God comes out of heaven empties himself of all the privileges of being God, empties himself of that, becomes a man, takes on the form of a servant, and then is only led by the Holy Spirit and displays the heart of Father God. This is who Jesus is. And then when you come to know him, he takes his beautiful spirit and he deposits it into you. And you begin to, how many of you over the years, if you're new, you don't have years to look at, but how many over the years have realized the Lord is like, we're going to separate you out from that? How many, most of us, I'm going to deliver you from that. <laughs> that has quite a grip on you. <laughs> we're going to help you repent deeply break generational curses, heal you from trauma, get your tongue delivered from saying, you know, cursing yourself, change your belief system, help you know the depths of my love for you, get rid of your, your self-rejections. God is good. He's good. And then Abraham looked up and saw the, you know, he, the ram caught in its thorns in the thicket. He took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham called that place Yah, uh, Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people will use that as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And then the, lastly, he says, this is what the Lord says, because you've obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name, that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of the enemies, and though uh, through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed, all because you have obeyed me. So let's look at this uh, quickly. Isaiah 11, 2, 3 says, the spirit, this is Jesus. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge. Look at this. We don't think of this about Jesus. I don't really think about this. That Jesus himself had the fear of the Lord. Let, let that just settle in. He had the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in obeying the Lord. Hebrews 8, 5. Jesus was the son of God, but he still suffered. And through his sufferings, he learned to obey whatever God says. And we see the example of that, Luke twenty-two forty-two, saying, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I want to put up a... Uh, so that, that's just summarizing a little bit about Jesus. I found this in a book I'm reading. And I want to take the idea of deeply loving God. How many of you know it says because of uh, wickedness will, you know, the lawlessness, the spirit of lawlessness will uh, grow. 
that because of that, the love of many will grow cold. Have you familiar with that verse? So this, this kind of points out why. When the world gets darker and darker, can I just say, I've watched that in the last couple of years. And the wickedness begins to spread. And all the mentalities and thoughts and multiplicities start to press upon men's minds. People will lose their attention on Christ and forget his beauty. And through the loss of love exchange with him, no longer trust him. There's a little illustration of a guy that just loved the beauty of the flower. Just this incredible flower, incredible, incredible beauty of this flower. And he decided, I'm just going to, you know, take it apart and see what makes it beautiful. And he took it all apart and it was no longer beautiful. There are people that will come before the Lord and see the beauty of the Lord and then they'll study it to death. They'll get in the scripture and study it where they lost it. It's very important for us to just behold the beauty of the Lord. Just to know him. I finally learned when the Lord gives you something, don't study it to death. Behold it. Let him begin to develop it. Let him show you. Learn. Don't be insecure about trying to find theological stuff. Behold the beauty of the person. Understand the beauty of the person. Has he come and done something extraordinary in your life? Behold that. Don't lose that. It's precious to you that you're walking in a different way and freer than you were before. It's glorious. Yes, there's process. But sometimes the Lord just shows up and the shadows jump out of the windows. That's beautiful. (laughs) So let's look at just a few of the blessings and then we'll have our time of communion. I'd like to, some of them I would like us to read. Is that okay? Psalm 128. One and two. Read this one. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. You shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed, and it shall be well with you. Psalm 31, 19. Let's read this. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. Let's look at the next one, Proverbs nineteen twenty-three. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and whoever has it rests satisfied, and he will not be visited by harm. Come on, is this stuff good? Look at this next one, Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. Proverbs, uh, by the way, I just threw in a real super, super, super practical, okay? I was in Sam's. I think I shared this one time. I was in Sam's and I bought this. Uh, I went, beep, you know how I go to the self-checkout, beep, you know. And there was another, another one right under that one that I didn't go beep. I thought I'd paid for all of it. So I got to the car and I went, oh my goodness, I didn't pay for that. So I took it out, put it back in the cart and went back in the store to pay for it. The lady at the door said, what are you doing? I said, I found out I didn't pay for that. She went, that reaction 
No fear of the Lord. No fear of the Lord. This lady didn't have the fear of the Lord. She was like, you, basically her idea was, you idiot, you got away with it. No, I didn't get away with it. I don't answer to you. I answer to him. When you have the fear of the Lord and you cross a line, it disturbs you. It bothers you inside. Something goes off. And it's your hunger and heart to please him. And when you start drawing lines where you're not going to please him, I'm not going to do that. You deviate. Then you deviate again. Then you deviate again. Then you deviate again. And you're headed to hell in your life. Does anybody know? Has there anybody in the room that's had a course correction of after a couple of these? That's why it's so important to show up in the house of God. It's so important. And it doesn't have to be with the message that's being preached at all. It's just the Holy Spirit goes, I want to touch this. I want to relieve you of the guilt and the pressure and the misery that you're going through because you haven't obeyed me. I want to lift this from you and bring your heart back into a refreshed place and deliver you from the snare of death. Uh, look quickly. Let me finish these and we'll get to that in the, probably the communion. That'll be a good place for that. Let's go ahead at uh, Proverbs twenty-eight fourteen. Oh, this is good. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord. Listen, blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Oh my God. I just talked about that. And then Proverbs 25, 12 to 14. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him he will instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being and his offspring shall inherit the land. And then uh, Psalm 145, 19. He will fulfill the desire of those who fear him. He will also hear their cry and save them. And this, uh, uh, two more. Proverbs 22, 4. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. And then lastly, Psalm 34, 9 through 11. I think I put this on the front of the brochure. Let's read it. Fear the Lord, you, his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry, but those who trust in the Lord will lack no good thing. Come, my children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. We're going to have communion here. We're going to go ahead and turn the. Let's go ahead and lift our hearts to the just in the spirit of worship. Would you lift your hands with me? Let's go ahead and just praise the Lord for a minute. Hallelujah! Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. We want to receive the impartation of Jesus Christ, who had the fear of the Lord. 
we want that same spirit in us that you carried, Lord Jesus. That you walked in ultimate obedience to the Father. And what spilled out of you was redemption for us. Let's just praise him. Let's praise him. Hallelujah. In the midst of a culture that is growing exceedingly dark, We don't want to pervert the grace of God. We want to highly value who you are. scissors have you ever gotten those those things that there's just a wrap they're so hard to get into and I had just, I didn't want to walk downstairs and get scissors I was looking through all they're trying to find the scissors and I found a screwdriver and I decided I was going to just open that bag with that screwdriver and just bring it in and I ripped it open and I got it out I believe communion today is going to rip off a plastic casing off of some of you. There's something that's just been, you've been wrapped up in something and the Lord says, I'm going to tear it apart and I'm going to get you out. I'm going to get you out of what's tried to wrap around you and keep you from me. If there's anything like that, would you lift up your heart and faith to the Lord? Because the Lord hates the distance between your heart and his. He hates the distance. He hates 
what's in the way. He despises what hinders intimacy with him. He doesn't like it. He knows that the only thing that will fulfill your heart is his love. Nothing else will. And when something else has encased your life, he hates it. He wants to destroy it and obliterate it and get you out so that you can know the intimacy of what your heart is created for. He wants you to know the depths of his personal love. I want to tell you something. Love is not a theology. Love is an experience. It's theological in its basis, but if it's only theological, it's not real. Affection is felt. Affection is real. If there be any consolation, any affection in Christ, it's the experience of the only one who truly loves you no matter what. This, what's in your hand, is proof because he gave his body for you that you would come under the covering of the one who cherishes you. It's when we come out from under that we get all the hits, all the pain. Everybody say, run for cover. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we give you honor today. We praise you for having taken the hits and hating what hinders us to come into the depth of your love. We praise you for destroying sin's grip and power over us. And we receive today release into the deeper sense of love that you have for us. Let's receive. Let's go ahead and receive the cup. Everybody hold it until you all have received. Go ahead, honey. Most of us here have been walking with the Lord for quite a while. And we understand because we've been I'll in either Bible there. studies or... Thank you, dear. Or the, the biblical definitions of two words. One of them is sin. especially to a lot of new believers and young people in the Lord. When you say sin, they just kind of cringe. What does that mean? Well, there's a whole lot of things. And far away, you have to go back and break it all down. But basically, sin means missing the mark. You reach for something, and, and you, just, you just can't hit it. You can't, you can't be good enough. You can't please enough. You can't do the right thing enough. You can't, you just can't. And the Lord said, I came so that you don't have to be troubled by that anymore. It's built into the fall of man. 
but I'm going to release you from that. And I'm going to teach you a better way to live. And part of that better way to live is the fear of the Lord. And under that fear of the Lord, there's another word, and it's called obedience. To obey Him. Ooh, that's a... Uh, don't tell me to obey you. I ain't going to obey you. What do you mean? How many of that word in its just basic context is not really a cool word. But in the biblical sense, it means to come under protective covering. To obey means to come under daddy's ways. The Father of all lights, the true and one living, loving God who set the planet in motion for our benefit and our joy and our love and our, the beauty of all of it. And it all went to hell in a handbasket. So now we live in between two worlds, a fallen one as in Babylon. We live in Babylon, but we are kingdom kingdom of God people and when you fear him and you obey him you come under protection from the world and even from your own finality and your own thoughts sometimes how many of you need to be protected from your own self sometimes right I mean come on I do But when you love him and you stand in awe of him in the fear of the Lord, you don't want to sin. You don't want to miss the mark. You want to please the Lord. You want to please, you want to prosper. You want to, you want good things in life. So obey isn't a bad word. It's a safe word. And departing from sin sets you in a place of security and life and fulfillment. And because of what we're going to do here with the blood, this that represents his death and resurrection, you can be freed from all those kind of misunderstandings and by faith say teach me to fear you Lord I want a new revelation of what it's like to live in the kingdom as a kingdom's kid a daughter a son and not entrapped in the world Amen Let's lift the cup. I'm going to pray um, that any, um, we receive forgiveness because the blood is about forgiveness of sins. And then willfully, uh, how many times? Have you ever had this where, yeah, I know Jesus forgives you, but I've struggled forgiving myself. Isn't that amazing? 
that a person can say, well, I know God can forgive me, and then up themselves above God as if they have more authority than Him and say that your blood isn't enough. That's amazing. That's pride. Let's go ahead and repent of pride. Sounds good to me. Because anything like that will hinder us from that deep love that he wants to impart. Because him loving you is not about you ever being good enough. It's never about that. It's about his love will make you better because you know you're loved. And then you trust him deeper. You're never on the outside. He puts you on the inside into his embrace. Let's lift it up. Let's go ahead and lift it up. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for, I just, we pray the power of your forgiveness over our individual lives and that would permeate our families in the name of Jesus. We ask, Lord, that there would come freedom from any hindrance. And we ask that in this, there would come a new dimension as we've been preaching on the fear of the Lord. We ask that the fear of the Lord begin to take grip and root into our families, into our lives, that there would be something of a sovereign change as we've said under the preaching of your word, that we would be like Jesus, that we would be like Abraham, that we would discover it like in the book of Job, that we would know the depth of the fear of the Lord. We receive the cup because it was by your obedience that we have the cup in our hands. You've died for us, so we receive the forgiveness today. In the name of Jesus, let's partake. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you just praise him with me for a moment? They're going to come and just hand those little cups down. As soon as you hand that in, let's go ahead and stand together. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. If there's any work of the Spirit that you feel as we've been doing, we want the, you to feel just free, like like... Like Jesus is just sitting up here saying, come. There's further things. We want to always have a quiet place where you can receive personal ministry from the Lord. So Lord, I just thank you for this precious people. Lord, this moment I said that, I feel I saw that, that I've stumbled toward you so long. And you appreciate every time I've fallen down and gotten up and I've not turned around and gone the other way because you're too appealing. You're too irresistible. You're too wonderful. And so we praise you, Lord. We, re- we, we bring our hearts to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.